Thoughts on Desperation from Pastor Ray Bentley. Desperation can take anybody who otherwise might have reasons to not want to seek Jesus. And the next thing you know, you get so desperate, you are on your face begging that Jesus will come to you. It is his nature to respond to those who humble themselves in absolute desperation. And desperation means this, I have nowhere else to go. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When we get to the end of our rope, we get to the beginning of Jesus. The Lord loves to help those who have no other choice. In fact, He'll often wait until we've exhausted our other earthly options. Well, coming up today, Pastor Ray brings us good encouragement about God's providence and His care. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. We have two stories that we're going to be looking at tonight. One is about a poor woman who has had an issue of blood. She's internally hemorrhaging. And according to Leviticus, chapter 15, she would be considered as a religious Jew unclean. This meant that she was a transmitter of uncleanness to anyone who came in contact with her and therefore she really could not have contact with anyone else. She would also, by the law, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 19, be forbidden to have sexual relations. There's no mention of a man in this story. You would think that if she were married and her husband was there, he would have been helping her get close to Jesus. He's not mentioned. And so, if she was married, most commentators believe she was probably by this time divorced. She is ostracized from society. She was barred from worship in the temple. She was abandoned until Jesus came. And she had come to the end of all medical help. She had seen many doctors. Mark tells us in chapter 5, verse 26, in this same story, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had trying to find a cure and every kind of remedy she could find. And yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. And so she is broke. She is cut off from society, as I mentioned. She's cut off from her religion. She is in declining health. And now in one last desperate move, she makes her way in through a crowd to see if she can touch this man Jesus she has heard of. What a contrast to another story that we will see unfold in the middle of this, as Jesus is on his way to take care of her. Uh, There's also a man named Jairus that we will meet, who was the ruler of the synagogue, and he has a daughter, his only daughter, who is now dying, who is homesick, and he comes to Jesus. And so look with me, beginning in verse 40. Let's look at Jesus and this religious leader named Jairus. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. 
And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had only, he had an only daughter, and she was about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now, in the last stories, we talked about Jesus had, uh, had left the shores now of Capernaum, escaping the crowds, and he had gone into a little boat. There was a storm. Jesus had rebuked the storm, had authority over nature, got to the other side. There was a man named possessed. Jesus cast the demons out of this man. And the answer to what is your name was legion, for there were so many demons inside of that man. Jesus now has come back from these two exciting episodes in his life and ministry, and now there is a vast crowd of people, swarms of people that gather on the shores where Jesus is. They want to see what's coming next. They want to see what the next miracle would be. It is, it is unlike any other mob that you can possibly imagine. Everybody wants, as it were, a piece of him to touch him, to reach out, and they're all trying to get in as close as they possibly can. It is a, I might say, dangerous crowd. I can imagine the disciples. You know, his, if they acted in any way like his bodyguards, it was hopeless that they could protect Jesus from people getting into him and to reach out and to touch him. And so, but, in the midst of this mob who is around Jesus so that he can barely move as he is making his way, all of a sudden, if you could be there to observe this mob, however big it was, there's a wave that is parting. Someone is coming to Jesus that, that actually makes the people stand back. Well, they wouldn't make room for a little kid, they wouldn't make room for grandma, but this guy comes and they back away. Why? He is the ruler of the local synagogue, the Jewish rabbi. He has tremendous power, tremendous authority for blessing people and uh, has been the one, the conduit through which they would hear God's word, receive prayers and have their children blessed and, and hear the word of the Lord and so forth. And as they back away, they see him and, and probably wanting to witness firsthand this meeting because the word even among the people was Jesus was as amazing and prophetic and miraculous and divine and, and people still not totally understanding who he was, but knowing that he was unlike anyone who had ever come before. But they had heard that the religious community and the Pharisees in particular did not like Jesus, did not approve of him, challenged the source of his miraculous powers. And so here comes a man that probably his group and his cronies and his fellow rabbis would probably not have approved of this. And probably under normal circumstances, Jairus would never have come to Jesus in this way. But something happened that took even this religious leader who had his own power, his own authority, this was his base of operation, and he broke this man and humbled him so he comes up to Jesus, notwithstanding whatever prejudices that he might have had, and he gets down on his face and he begs Jesus, please come to my house. My daughter is dying. She's my only child. 
And I have heard, and he's expanding his hopes that maybe somehow, some way, you will have mercy upon me, come to my house, and the stories that I've heard in multitude will happen to my poor daughter. In other words, desperation can take anybody who, ha who otherwise might have reasons to not want to seek Jesus, and the next thing you know, you get so desperate, you are on your face begging that Jesus will come to you. Maybe there is someone here tonight that is sitting there, you were invited by a family member or a friend, or you just came to check things out, and what's really going on, on the outside, you're sitting calmly and listening to all of this. But on the inside, you are on the edge. You are desperate. Well, let me tell you this, you're, you're in great company. Jesus knows who you are, he knows that you are here, he knows what brought you here, and he loves to be put in this situation. It is his nature to respond to those who come humble themselves in absolute desperation. And desperation means this, I have nowhere else to go. I, uh, there, this is it, this is the last hope. Either you are who I've even heard some say that you are, and I have to hope that my friends and colleagues and other rabbis are wrong. Otherwise, my little girl is going to die. He is absolutely, totally, completely desperate. Falls on his face and begs Jesus to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But then follow the story. As, and, and what does Jesus do? He, he doesn't say anything. He just nods, says, okay. And he starts following Jairus. Now the whole mob is going, whoo, wow. A rabbi, a Pharisee talks to Jesus, we're going to go to it. We're going to see a miracle. So they take off. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. I have New King James. I don't know what your other versions say, but thronged him. They were jostling. They were pushing. They were pulling. They were tugging. They were touching. They just wanted to touch Jesus. Hey, I don't blame them. I'd, if Jesus comes here, I want to touch Jesus too. Although I probably would fall on my face, just like Jairus did, before I could ever get to him. But then in verse 43, an interruption happens. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood, all her money on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind. She was sneaky. She didn't come from the front or even from the side, but waited from behind, pressed her way through the crowd, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. More literally, this was probably the tassels. Jesus, being in Jewish uh, garments, there would be these uh, tassels that were prayer tassels and representing blue, representing heaven, and she reached out and she grabbed. The border, probably the tassel of his Jewish garment, saying to herself that if I touch that of this holy man, I will be healed. She doesn't know who he is. Is he a prophet? I don't know. Sounds like, is he the Messiah? I don't know. But she has this idea in her mind. And immediately, her flow of blood, her hemorrhage internally stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And so there's like hundreds of people who are no doubt, I just told you, they're thronging Jesus. Everybody's touching him if they can possibly do it. And then all denied it. Oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> so they're all lying right there to God. But 
Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? It's like everybody within, you know, the chance of touching you is touched. What do you mean who touched you? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray has meant to them. Pastor Ray is greatly missed. He was an anointed man of God, and we take comfort in our Lord and Savior as Ray is rejoicing in heaven with Jesus and all the heavenly hosts singing glory to God. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Jesus said, somebody touched me. Listen to what Jesus says. And I wish he would have elaborated on this, but all he says is, for I perceived power going out from me. Listen, what a picture this is. Thousands are around him. Hundreds are touching him and taking turns touching him. But one touched him with desperation and faith. Boy, talk about the size of a mustard seed. Even, I, I, you might even call it superstition. That I think maybe if I just could touch you know, his clothing. There were superstitions in those days that, that if you touched the, the, the clothing of a holy man, you'd be healed. Or if there's shadow pasture, you could be healed. And ironically, we find some of those things even being honored by God. Not that the rest of the New Testament says, you know, find a, a holy man and run into his shadow. The Bible, the New Testament doesn't teach that. But God honors those who even in Peter's shadow in the book of Acts were healed. Why? Because, and it shows us something very powerful here. This woman's faith is as small as it can possibly be. It's a mustard seed. She doesn't have all this great doctrine down. If you had asked her, can you describe, uh, you know, atonement? Can you, you describe some of the great theological truths? No. I just know that I'm sick and he can heal me and I'm going to touch him. And I believe if I touch him, I'll be made well. Jesus honors that childlike, raw kind of faith. Even if you don't have all your doctrines down, you don't have all of great understanding, but if you have genuine faith, Jesus can discern. There can be hundreds or thousands who touch him who are selfishly, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. I want to touch somebody famous or whatever else they might have thought that day. No power went out from him. But here a woman that touched him, wanting, I want to be made whole. Jesus said that, I felt that touch. And power went forth. Life, heaven, glory went forth from him and touched this woman. I love that. Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. You know what? You know what this woman wanted to do? She wanted to touch him, and if, as happened, she got healed, she wanted to just slink away, disappear, be anonymous. And I think it's amazing that Jesus calls her out. He stops and says, who touched me? <laughs> She's like, oh, you know, oh, and he's calling out. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. 
She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Jesus calls her from being anonymous out publicly to identify with him. You know how I do that at times. And I say, you must come forward. You must, you know, profess Christ, but do it publicly. Jesus could have let her just slink away and he would have known it and known about her, but he called her publicly. And she came trembling and she identified with him. Why? Why does Jesus do that? He wants a personal relationship. He didn't just want her to be healed and walk away. He wanted a conversation, a little bit more. He wanted to take that immature, childlike, faith that almost had superstition in it and teach her something. In verse 48, he said to her daughter, I love that. This is the only place in the New Testament Jesus ever called a woman daughter. And here it was, a woman that was so broken, so alone, so isolated. I mean, she felt abandoned was her identity. And now all of a sudden she's got family, daughter. She has relationship with the Messiah himself. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus is, do you realize how gentle he was with this woman? Jesus is so gentle, he's so sensitive, he's so tender, he's so uplifting. Your faith, don't hide your faith, don't be ashamed of your faith, don't slink away with your faith. Come out in broad daylight, identify with me, for I am the Messiah. Your faith has made you well. Go, now you can go. Now you and I have seen each other. Now you've looked into my eyes. Now I've identified you. And now everyone here knows. Guess what else? If Jesus, the holy man that healed her, accepts her, guess what it means? She's not only healed physically, but the stigma is taken away. People can now touch her. She's no longer unclean. She's welcome to go worship God and even enter into the temple for she has been cleansed by the Savior and by the Messiah. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. Now we get back to Jairus and his, you know, the, this religious leader and his daughter that's 12 and that lay sick. And now because of this interruption, she dies. Why would God allow that to happen? Why does God allow some things to go from bad to worse? Well, now, because we know and are reading the end of the story, it is that God wanted in this man, Jairus, a religious leader, Jewish rabbi. He's kind of the head guy or had been up until that time for this whole community, the representative of God to the people, the priest. Jesus is saying, I'm going to require a little bit more faith out of you. You know the word. You know the promises of God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel. Now, it's not just that you will have faith in me that I can make your sick daughter well, but if you will believe in me, now you can have faith that I will raise your daughter from the dead. In other words, it is only from bad to worse from an earthly perspective, but from heaven's perspective, there is no from bad to worse because Jesus can do anything, anytime, any way that he wants to. 
He is sovereign. There is no problem beyond his power, beyond his grasp. There's no situation tonight, no matter how desperate you may think it is, and man, if God doesn't answer by Friday, if, I, if the check doesn't come in the mail, if I don't get this whatever job or promotion, it's all over. No, it's not. The Lord is with you. He will take care of you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Joshua, I will be with you as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And every place you put the sole of your foot, I have given it to you. And I will take you from blessing to blessing. So Jesus said, verse 15, do not be afraid, only believe. She will be made well. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. When Jesus said that she was sleeping, he was talking about death from heaven's perspective. Earth's perspective, oh, they got sick, and then they got worse sick, and then they died, oh. From heaven's perspective, no, she's just sleeping. Watch, I'm gonna wake her up from her nap. And so he put them all outside, verse 54, took her by the hand and called, I love this, saying, little girl, arise. Like you go to a little girl taking a nap. Little girl, wake up, patting her hand, wake up now, wake up. Then her spirit returned. And she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. What happens to every kid when they wake up from a nap? They're hungry, right? I love how normal, healthy, natural it is. They're all sitting, you know, just, I, I, they're all, their jaws drop like, and just staring at her. She's looking around, like what happened? Like I took a nap, I woke up, hello, hi everybody. Gosh, I sure am hungry. Get her something to eat. I love how practical Jesus is. He commanded that she be given, he commanded, get her something to eat. That gives people something to do. Run into the kitchen and make her a sandwich. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. I don't think they were probably very good at that. <laughs> he wanted to wait. He was building momentum for that hour when he would say, I am the Messiah. I am the one, the promised one. And I will prove it today as I die for the sins of the world and on the third day when I rise from the dead. He was building toward that and so often he would tell people, shh, don't tell anybody about this. And I'm sure that they went and told everybody that they could. One day when we get to heaven, there are several new people that you and I will look for. And in fact, let's make a date now. We get to heaven, Let's go have an evening, however long it lasts, you know, a year. There's no time in heaven, right? And we don't have to, we don't have to sleep and take naps. Let's meet Jairus, his daughter, and the woman who was healed of the issue of blood. Is it a date? How many want to be with me? You ready? Let's go. What an evening that would be. But you know, the Lord tells these stories to remind us tonight. I'm with you. And interruptions do not matter. It only makes it more dramatic when God comes through. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with great insight today about the providence of God from our studies in the Gospel of Luke here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Jesus Heals. 
If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.